The Trek Geeks Podcast Network is proud to have Fansets as its presenting sponsor. Fansets is the place for amazing pin collectibles with over 200 officially licensed Star Trek pins and new releases every month. Stay tuned for a special discount code good on your next order at fansets.com just for discovering Trek listeners. Fansets. Our pins have character. A mother, a daughter, and a guardian. Season 3 of Star Trek Discovery continues to take us literally where no Star Trek show has gone before. Last week, Philippa, along with the help of someone named Carl, returned her to her own universe and immediately found herself in the middle of a coup attempt by her adopted daughter, Michael. What happens this week when the Emperor decides to try and give Michael a second chance? And who's this Carl guy? Well, let's find out. Welcome aboard, everyone. My name is Dan Davidson, and we are Discovering Trek. Welcome one and all to Discovering Trek, the Star Trek Universe companion, presented by Fansets. Last week we returned to the Brutal Mirror Universe as Philippa walked through a strange door to a time in the past where she was still the ultimate ruler and her daughter Michael was still alive and plotting against her. This week the incredible story continues. Will Philippa's new look on how to rule help her with the current crisis in her universe or will it be her undoing? As always, this is the premiere podcast for the most in-depth discussion and analysis about the latest episode of Star Trek Discovery entitled Terra Firma Part 2. And as Philippa deals with her own universe of problems, see what I did there, we finally get to see who Carl really is, and wow, I was blown away. And speaking of wow, is there really any other way to describe this amazing co-host of mine? He, like Carl, is always full of surprises, and man, I just can't wait to see him cosplaying as this guy in Vegas next year. I'll buy the bola, buddy. Uh, as always, he's my very special friend, my brother in Trek, and my amazing number one. He is Bill Smith, and Bill, uh, wow, again, that's all I have to say. <laughs> uh, th- indeed, wow. Uh, thanks for that intro. I really appreciate it. Um, y- are you trying to sound like you're from Boston by saying bola? Did I say bola? Yeah, because it's a bowler. Bola, bola, it's a bola. (laughs) Not Ebola, thankfully. (laughs) Um, There's no way in hell I'm going to be in Vegas in August with that heavy winter coat on and gloves and a bowler hat. No way. You first. I'll do it. You know, bring it on. You know who might do it? We welcome back our dear friend Casey Shafsky to sit in chair number three this week on Discovering Trek. Casey, good to have you here, brother. Hey, great to be back, y'all. And I mean, if it's a long coat, I'll nude up underneath it. Uh, That doesn't surprise me one bit, honestly. Not, it doesn't surprise me at all. And now I'm not going to Vegas. So <laughs> it worked. You're Excellent. welcome. <laughs> no, it's good to have you back, man. And, and what a week to return back to the third chair. This oh. episode was absolutely fantastic. I can't wait to start our discussion on it. Uh, but before we do that, Bill, we always want to hear from our listeners about their thoughts on everything Discovery and the Mirror Universe and Carl. So uh, how can they get in touch with us for their thoughts on Terra Firma Part 2? Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Well, if you're looking to send us a subspace message, there are a bunch of ways you can let us know what you think. Of course, you can go to trekgeeks.com slash contact and find a variety of ways to get us your thoughts. And of course, on Twitter and Facebook, all you have to do is search for Discovering Trek. We welcome all of your questions and comments. 
You can also leave us a voicemail by visiting our website at trekgeeks.com and clicking on the big blue button you'll see on the right-hand side. Please remember, though, that any comments you leave us could be used in a future episode of Discovering Trek. Dan. Thanks, Bill. Black Alert. Black Alert. From here on in, folks, this episode of Discovering Trek contains spoilers. So if you haven't watched episode 10 of Star Trek Discovery Season 3, stop listening right now, head on over to CBS All Access or wherever you watch Discovery, watch the latest episode, then head back on over to Discovering Trek. Failure to do that puts you at risk to find out plot developments and character details for Terra Firma Part 2. Episode 310 of Star Trek Discovery, Terra Firma Part 2, is written by Bowie Kim and Erica Lippolt and Alan McElroy, and is directed by Chloe DeMont. Georgia uncovers the true depths of the plot against her, leading her to a revelation about how deeply her time on the USS Discovery truly changed her. Originally released on December 17th, 2020, it is the 10th episode of Star Trek Discovery's third season. Trainees, to the briefing room. Gentlemen, as we gather in the briefing room, as we do every week to start our discussion on the episode, let's find out what your high-level thoughts were. Thumbs up, thumbs down, and a quick reason as to why. Bill, let's start with you today, buddy. Dan, I'm going to go two thumbs up very enthusiastically. After Mirror Mirror, I think this is my favorite Mirror Universe episode, and that counts all of the other Discovery ones and all of the Deep Space Nine ones. I think that this one worked on every level, and even as a standalone episode and not just a part two, I think it works. So, thumbs up. Two thumbs up for you. What about you, Casey? Oh, absolutely. Two thumbs up. Incredibly so. Loved this episode. So deep, amazing, wonderful. It's everything you wanted. It is everything. It is everything I wanted. I gave it two thumbs up as well, and I agree with you, Bill. Best Mirror Universe episode since uh, TOS. None of them, I think, hold a candle to this. This was what I love the U- Mirror Universe for. Uh, great story. Uh, great to see what's going on in that Mirror Universe, and and Carl's reveal. I, I we're recording Christmas week, and I was as happy as a small child on Christmas morning during that reveal. And we're going to get into that first this week we might as well get it right out of the way Let's because that's it. what mm-hmm. everybody's been talking about oh my god so there's been a lot of speculation you know is it going to be q a lot of people thought it was going to be the guardian because of the hints that were subtly dropped the week before you got to hand it to the writing staff for dropping those hints like the newspaper and and and, and focusing on questions but i gotta tell you even having a pretty good idea of who it was hearing those words I am the guardian of forever was as exciting to me as any moment on Star Trek Discovery, if Star Trek ever, Bill. 100%. You know, and in fact, that's the, the moment that really sells it. It could have just been Paul Guilfoyle's voice saying, I am the guardian of forever with some reverb, but it would not have had nearly the impact if they hadn't grabbed the original voice from um, uh, the city on the edge of forever. Sorry, I almost blanked on the name. Um, <laughs> to to overdub with that and sort of blend it in. It was perfection, and it totally sold the moment. Like, yep, this is the guardian we know. This is the guardian we've seen. And what's up with that? 
Absolutely. And 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 a lot of people have been talking on, on social media this week. This is not uh, – City on the Edge of Forever is not the only time we have seen The Guardian in Star Trek history. One of the animated series – best episodes yesteryear uh which is another brilliant episode had the guardian of forever in it and i thought it was fantastic but i gotta say casey the voice of the guardian was was grand slam number one and grand slam number two was that explosion and then implosion and we got to see the guardian modernized and it was stunningly beautiful wasn't it I mean, seriously, when when you you hear that booming voice and then the shards go everywhere on screen and come back in and like you just feel the energy and the the depth of this character, like this this is amazing. And being able to go back decades of Star Trek history. So this is what, I mean, we have it inside of us. So this is something, however many decades back when you first saw that episode of TOS, and this this comes and just hits you like a frying pan in the face. It was fantastic. I literally have goosebumps on my arm right now thinking about that scene. And I've, I see, I, last time I saw it was like four days ago. It's that, it's yeah. that powerful for me. It's, it's amazing. I'm going to get into details of, of, of similar um, instances that have made me feel this way, but it was just great. And I think one of the things that I liked was we got to see what we have seen in Discovery. Discovery takes place prior to TOS. Of course, now it takes place much more in the future, but we've gotten to see the modernization of these things that we have fallen in love with as kids. The three of us are the same age. So as kids watching TOS, like The Guardian, we've seen it modernized. The Enterprise, we saw it modernized in season two. And that's one of the things that I know a lot of people may have a problem with it, but Bill, I love it. I think it's fantastic. Here's what really grinds my gears, to borrow from (laughs) Family Guy. This week... And I'm not going to provide any spoilers. We had an episode of The Mandalorian, which touched on so many levels of Star Wars lore. Mm-hmm. I've been rewatching, or actually not rewatching, watching for the first time Star Wars Rebels with my wife. Um, because it is a fantastic series. And it touches on all kinds of Star Wars lore. There's a new James Bond movie coming out at, at, at some point, No Time to Die, which uses and recycles all kinds of James Bond lore. Why is it that Star Trek is the only franchise in the whole of media creation that can't go back to elements it's previously created in other incarnations. Mm -hmm. It drives me crazy. There's no reason why we shouldn't have seen The Guardian before now, but you know what? It is incredibly awesome that we can and that we do because it's a part of Star Trek. I can only imagine the decision to use it must have been a hard one in the writer's room because, well, fandom, honestly. Well, I got to say, Bowie and Erica have 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 written some of the most amazing moments since Star Trek Discovery started. And, and this is right up there at the top of them. I think it's fantastic. And one of the things that um, is, is interesting to me is you have people, as soon as it happened, people were, were saying, well, wait a minute. The Guardian said that he was created this way, he can't change, but yet we saw him take on humanoid form here, and we saw him, instead of showing the the history of the planet at a certain speed, he was able to just turn his hand and, and, and instantly get the point that Philippa was going to go to. 
I have zero problem with this. He talks about the temporal wars and how people were using him to 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 cause all kinds of damage in the timelines. And you know what? It may have been millennia that the Guardian didn't evolve, but it looks like listening to what he was talking about, he had to evolve. And I, for one, Casey, am totally cool with how they handle this whole situation. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, things evolve, right? Uh, and storytelling evolves. I mean, when you you look at it, this is not something uh, on a 1960s television budget that had to be made within a week or two weeks and make it look futuristic. And so I think for both of your guys' points, um, the, the acceptance of change and growth in things because honestly if the guardian had come back up and had you know little flashy lights and it was exactly the same that we saw in 1960s i might have it a little different opinion of a flight going why exactly that but you know we're, we're getting stuff that is just darn it it's it's amazing yeah. and should yeah. be appreciated because of the history that it's able to fall back onto as opposed to nitpick reasons why and or why not to be used well and here's the thing too i mean we have no idea what the guardian knew about where he was sending giorgio back to she didn't pick that time and she went back to a seemingly arbitrary time that just happened to be the day that Lorca was going to stage a coup and then she comes back and then afterwards we have no idea where she went so honestly the guardian mm -hmm. has not changed all that much Here's an interesting thing, and we'll get into this later on. Did she really get sent anywhere? Or was this, he said it was a test. Was it all in her mind to see it? So people are saying, well, now that this has all happened, is it going to change what happened in the mirror universe? So I'm kind of wondering, was it just in her mind as a test? Is it real? And we can get into that later on. But one of the things I did want to bring up was a, a lot of people I have I have, I have seen and, and read that, you know, Discovery jumped 930 years in the future so that the writers wouldn't have to worry about canon. But yet they still are bringing things in from the past Star Trek that we know and love. Why can't they cut the cord and, and, and do these adventures without doing that? I don't have any problem with this. It's one thing to bring a piece of Star Trek lore in for part of the story, but it's, it's another thing to to do what they're doing which, or to have the whole thing wrapped around. Bill, I, you're raising your hand enthusiastically. Here's the problem, is that this whole argument is specious to particular fans. Right. Yes. It wasn't to cut themselves loose from canon altogether. It was to cut themselves loose from the canon of the TOS era specifically because they are shoehorned in between Enterprise and the original series. And when they mm -hmm. planted that flag and said, we are now 10 years before TOS, that really limited their options. By jumping into the future, everything that's happened before is fair game and they can introduce it however they like. So when people say, uh, well, they said they were going to, you know, uh, not have to deal with canon anymore. They fundamentally don't understand what was meant by that statement. Yeah, absolutely. Casey, you, you're in agreement. It looks well, yeah. Like. <laughs> and, and they're in the future. These stories have not been written yet. Yeah. So right. get, get off of this. Sincerely. It, it is this, this little gripe that uh, people are holding on to just to have like a contrarian view. Yeah. If Brian Fuller hadn't decided to place it 10 years before TOS, we wouldn't be having this discussion, but he did. And now we've got to work around. So yeah, yay, yay, Star Trek. Mm -hmm. yeah, absolutely. And, and Bill, you hit the nail on the head. Why can't we in this fandom 
have the appreciation and love that we've seen in other fandoms. And you brought up a perfect example with the Mandalorian and what happened in the finale. Um, so, so we've talked about Carl and Carl took place later on in the episode, but let's talk about what happened in the beginning of the episode, because that was pretty powerful stuff as well. Of course, it picks up exactly where last week left off. Uh, um, Mirror Michael is being thrown in the brig. I love the new agonizer special effects, by the way. Um, (laughs) But there are very specific areas of the episode that took place in the Mirror Universe that really struck a chord with me. And the first one that I wanted to bring up and get your opinion on, Casey, is the new Philippa, as I'll call her, because she definitely has changed. Mm -hmm. And her treatment of who is Saru in our universe, but apparently doesn't have a name in the Mirror Universe. But that relationship is pretty special, I think. Well, absolutely. So, I mean, there's a thing called coontogenic structural coupling. Which means if you hang out with a certain group of people long enough, you will take on those characteristics, their traits, their actions, all this type of stuff. So, Giorgio has been in that for however long, okay? And her complete... I, I took it as care for the Saru character in the Mirror yeah. Universe. Yes. It was, you know, no, no BS, no hidden agenda of just... She has changed internally and is going to help this other being with seemingly no hidden agenda, hidden motive. And that that helped the many, many episodes of her being uh, mm-hmm. depicted as she was right. to, to really hammer home for us that she has changed and is a different person. And it was wonderful. To see, it, it it was it was wonderful, and especially the scene, Bill, where she talks about the Vaharai, and he's completely stunned because no one outside of his species is supposed to know about it, and that it's just a it's just a legend or lore that that they survive it. I thought that was that was a key moment in this episode with the building of these characters. It really cemented Philippa's sense of understanding and compassion, which you wouldn't have thought this character could develop, but she has. And this is now the second time a Giorgio has rescued a Saru in some timeline. It's pretty amazing. I love the continuity of that aspect. Even though these events most likely get wiped off the face of the planet, you know, by the Guardian, um, it's still nice to see that at that point she made a different choice. And that's really what mattered here in the end. That was the that was the test, and I I, th- I think it was it was brilliant that it wasn't the expected way that she would deal with Michael or that she would deal with the attempted uh, coup by Lorca. But I, I think it really it really was how she handled Saru, and as as Carl said, that Saru goes on to save many many of his kind. So I thought that was a great moment as well. Another great moment um, is this back and forth, mother-daughter, um, um, emperor-crazy-child relationship between Philippa and Michael. And I talked about it last week. Sonequa as Mirror Michael, I do not want to be anywhere near this person. Yeah. <laughs> she is She is scary. her rocker. I mean, she is scary, brutal, yeah. ruthless. And Ooh. and Casey, she played, Sonequa played this character unlike anything I've seen her do so far in Star Trek Discovery in the three seasons we've been watching. So strong. A, a, such a, a strong, different take for that character. And where you realize this person is unhinged. And not melodramatic ways, but just... 
can I believe anything that comes out of her mouth in any way that, no, hey, I'm going to kill you, or no, I'm not going to kill you, or oh, I've changed, or oh, I haven't changed. Like, you have no base to build anything on. It's all quicksand, and she controls all of that quicksand. She really does. And Bill, we saw Landry die again. How many times have we seen Star Trek Discovery? It's just terrible. It's sad. Um, It is sad. It was good to see her again. And I'll tell you, talking about um, Sonequa and and the character of Michael, I was kind of wondering, you know, is she really going to be okay with her mom now is she really gonna do what she says and and then she started flipping the badges on the table and the slow motion special effect of those badges was pretty awesome and then you just saw the head tilt because she knew she had one more and that dagger came out and spun Mm. detmer didn't see that coming i'll tell you and it was great yeah not at all and i gotta say sinequa in the mirror universe is just next level she really and we mentioned last week that you know it's it's definitely a different character but looking at it this week it is it's even beyond that it's a completely different persona and personality it's still recognizable as michael burnham but man i would not want to cross her because she will kill you just as easily as she killed Kayla Detmer. And I have to say, uh, kudos to Rekha Sharma for taking the lead. Um, Sam Bartholomeos only has two character deaths, and now Rekha Sharma <laughs> has three. <laughs> That's fantastic. I'll tell you what, you know, I've always been a fan of the Mirror Universe, but I got to say, watching it through the years, especially Deep Space Nine, I started thinking about how does anything get done? in that universe because you always have to worry about who's going to put a knife in your back. And this two-part episode really shows that to a new level that we have not seen before in the Mirror Universe, Casey. I Yeah. Um, I've had those questions as well because if it was like, if everybody's trying to stab another person in the back to gain rank, prestige, whatever – how yeah how does how are any of these people alive and it was nice to see the encampments the different encampments which you which some of it was on the dl and being played for for other reasons so right. you have double triple agents possibly but to see that there's definitely groups of people that are working together for either their their own personal gain or knowing who, who you attach, you know, your wagon to. And Bill, speaking of awesome to see, as Casey just said, how awesome was it to see the Tantalus device in the Emperor's Court? Yes, yes, <laughs> yes, yes! It was so subtle. I mean, they didn't even really call a lot of attention to it. Nope. But any fan is immediately going to go, oh my God, she's got that one. teardrop button. Mm-hmm. It, it was it was awesome. I only wish that she had maybe wiped one person out of existence. Just but to hear that noise. But she couldn't because yeah. you know that's not who she is right now. Yeah, exactly. and I think that that says a lot because I mean that's that's power. And and in the mirror universe, that's the ultimate power. It's why Kirk rose as fast as he did through the ranks in the mirror universe. Um, she could very easily have just wiped Burnham out. Or anyone. And the fact that she chose not to kind of sealed her own fate here. It really did. Um, and speaking of that fate, um, Casey. Well, we just get into that. really quick. So was that hers or was that Tilly's? Because Tilly's keeps talking about yeah. it being her ship. Her ship so though. I think that's Tilly's. Interesting. That would explain and, a lot. That's a good point. And, yeah. and Captain Tilly over there is another one to not mess with. Mm-hmm. I love the. It, it's just, I just thought of this when you were talking about it, and it does make sense. Um, I love the sound of the armor on when they do the salute. You hear it. 
you yeah. really hear it, and I thought that was pretty cool. Just a very, very minor thing that I that I really liked. But um, Casey, you were talking a minute ago about the groups of people that are that have their you know who they're who they're supporting, and of course we get to the brig. Uh, the guy who was on the shuttle, Risa, um, I forget what his name was, unfortunately. Um, he's in the brig, and 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 they all walk in, and you just know something's not right. And of course, Michael does what she does best, and just pulls out a phaser and shoots shoots the guy in the head. And then we get the setup for one of the best combat battles inside of a starship, Bill, that I think we have ever seen. When when the Emperor's people show up, Saru included, having survived the Vaharai with his gun and throwing people up on the ceiling. Wow. It was just fantastic, fantastic television. It really was. It was it was a great showdown. It was awesome fight choreography. Plus, it, it leaves George Owen in a very uncertain place toward the end of it. You know, what does she do there? She's definitely got a, a huge decision to make. And ultimately, it, it plays out um, the way she didn't think it was going to play out. The event still happened. The event still happened, and this is kind of this is kind of dark. But special effects these days, seeing so that sword yeah. go through Michael and come out the backside. I mean, we see that in movies. We don't see that in television that much. But we've talked about for two and a half years here on Discovering Trek that Discovery is cinematic television, yeah. and it really was great. And I will I will say the 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 first time I saw the scene. I didn't see the dagger go into Giorgio's neck. I didn't oh, see it right Oh, away. yeah. yeah. Oh. And then I'm like, okay, so that, what is that? And she pulled it out. I'm like, oh, okay, well, it looked like she's all right. But then she was bleeding out when she was laying on the floor. I did not see that pool of blood the first time either. Mm-hmm. So it, that was that was the, the next time I watched it, it was, it was quite a shock. And um, I don't know, Casey, do you think that she thought this was all for naught when she thought that she was about to die? Mm, wow, that that's a deep, 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 deep question. Because maybe she was thinking that, but but Saru is there cradling her, you know. So that's completely different than anything that's gone on in that universe beforehand. And she may have lost Michael again, but the, the you know the attempt was there. Her she still had in the back of her mind. I I'm not trusting Michael's actually changing but you know a most sincere attempt was meant to be and was taken and hey michael was michael and and was playing her own game going on there and it's unfortunate bill because you hoped that michael was going to fall in line so to speak quote unquote but yet Philippa certainly knew her because she had all of her people standing by right when they needed to show up, like like uh, Tilly and and Saru and everybody else. And it it it's it was it was awesome to watch, but it was also sad to see at the same time. It absolutely was. I mean, it's um, you kind of hoped that this you know new and improved Giorgio or you know would would help usher in a new era for the mirror universe. Kind of like we talked about, you know, the end of uh, mirror mirror last week where, you know, prime Kirk is talking to mirror Spock telling him to be the change essentially. And Giorgio was being the change. And I think that Giorgio would have been completely fine with uh, her own death, but not at Michael's again, because I think that's really what the source of her pain has been. I think that's what she's been covering up. Every time she looks at prime Michael she can't help but see what happened to Mirror Michael. And that's um, that's going to eat at you after a while, I have to believe. Yeah, and that's probably why she was so horrible 
in the prime universe as that defense mechanism yeah. that we talked about mm-hmm. last week. So, all right. So unbelievable mirror universe uh, stuff. And uh, before we get into the next thing, which is when they return and are, and are talking to Carl and the whole guardian reveal, I, for one, am very glad that we did not see Lorca again. I think that would have been a huge distraction for the rest of the episode, having Jason Isaacs return as Lorca. I think it really would have taken a lot away from this particular story. What do you think, Bill? Uh, I agree with you. The only thing I wish that had happened differently is they didn't even mention him as much as they did. Mm Because it seemed like every scene we turned around, oh, that's Lorca's dude. Oh, Mm Lorca is going to attack us. Oh, we got to look out for Lorca. Um, It was a little bit, uh, distracting at times because you're wondering if Jason Isaacs is going to peek out from around the corner and go, here's Lorca. Exactly. But uh, it, it's the one thing I wish that they had done slightly differently, although it doesn't take away from the episode for me. Too much bonk bonk on the head for that, Casey? Yeah. I mean, oh, like one mention would yeah. be fine, but this kind of felt like a an episode where you couldn't get the actor. So, oh, well, I just spoke to Lorca on the phone or this or that. It's like, one mention would be fine, and then move on with the characters you have. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I'm, I'm glad we didn't see him. Who knows? Are we going to return to this universe again someday, and maybe we will see him? Who knows? But we get returned back to our universe in the future, 900 or however many years it was uh, from, from the time of the uh, uh, USS Charon being um, launched. And she's got three months worth of data, bio data on her little Fitbit that she's wearing that, that uh, the doctor gave her. So it happened. Yeah. And then we get, of course, the, the, the reveal of all reveals, <sighs> which we've already talked about. We won't get into it again because I'll start, like, screaming again. So <laughs> but we do have the goodbye. And I got to say, we've talked about how did they over-dramatize something sometimes in Discovery. And I thought that this goodbye was was what was needed between these two characters. There's been a lot of tension between the two. I thought it was great. I thought the admissions by both characters was really great. My favorite moment wasn't all the speaking. It wasn't all the, you know, I love you and you've made me a better person. It was the way they said goodbye when she started to turn towards the uh, towards the Guardian. Burnham gave Live Long and Prosper Vulcan salute and Giorgio gave the Emperor Empire salute. And I thought that was a perfect way to end these two being together, Bill. It absolutely was. It was it was a great moment. I I appreciate the dialogue that occurred between these two characters because it says that that this Giorgio also meant quite a great deal to our Michael. And and the reverse is true as well. Um, it's it's part of the reason she's become the person she is now. And I think that that's really what's telling. Um, it, it's it it puts this character in a great position for the other side of, of that journey through the guardian, wherever that is, if we ever get to see it, um, if that section 31 show really does happen, um, who knows, but I think that this is going to be a character that will be fun to watch in the future. I think that's a great, uh, a great point, Bill and Casey on that point. I think I, I love Mary. I'm, I'm a, I'm a weird person. I love mirror universe. I love section 31. If the Section 31 show does happen, and it was only the Giorgio from the Mirror Universe where she was just ruthless and evil, I don't know if I would have been really excited for it. But we have this new level and new layer of Philippa that I think could really work 
in a show like that, having experiences by this character in both the Mirror Universe and what she went through with the crew of the Discovery. What do you think? Well, absolutely. You want you want the seven-layer dip character, not the one-layer. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really, you you want a lot of stuff going on there. And if it was, yeah, just mean, pain-in-the-butt, evil Giorgio, that's your character, and, and you're stuck. And, and after a while, it's like, well, okay, we know exactly how this character is going to act and, and do. And that's not fun to watch and probably not fun to write for either. So having that growth and having that such emotional, great goodbye. When you really think this is the last time you're going to see somebody, you lay it all the F out. Right. There, you do. There's no, there's no holding back, and you. It doesn't matter how sappy you think you're going to get. You throw that sap out there, and you let everything be exposed. And I dug that they went that way. And then what? Hey, what happens from now on? We'll find out soon enough. Speaking of what will happen, Bill, I, I, I'm going to put it right out there, and I want to get your take, and then I want to get Casey's right after. Did this stuff in the mirror universe happen for real? No. Oh, Casey just fell out of his chair. And I, I, in the end, no. Because Carl makes some kind of throwaway reference to yep. the fact that um, uh, things have reverted back. And I'm, I'm not remembering the quote mm-hmm. off the top of my head. But um, he, he essentially says that uh, you know that timeline is, is its own thing. Um, I'm sure one of the two of you will remember what he said exactly. I'm not. But did it happen in the time and space it was happening in? Yes. But um, I, in the end, I, I, it didn't happen because... We came back to a world we know. Otherwise, it would have changed the events that occurred here and now. I, uh, I agree. So it, it yeah. couldn't have happened in the end. That's that's my take on it. Is that it? It, it was something that didn't happen. Casey, you looked like you, uh, after you after you got back up off the floor. It looks like you had a different take on it. Um, I wasn't sure because I thought of how convoluted the timelines could really become. If, if this was now another splinter off of, you know, a, uh, a mirror universe of the mirror universe. And I think with all the timelines going on, introducing of the Kelvin timeline and all of that would be way too convoluted. So, man, I was back and forth and I keep going to back to the three months of data on our Fitbit and, and saying... It was was that Carl doing something to her mind to go, hey, you actually did experience this. You did actually try to do that. And even though she had no quote unquote effect on it, except for herself. Okay. I, I couldn't help but think of Picard in the inner light when he lived a lifetime. Mm. And yeah. he was only unconscious for 25 minutes. Not to say that, before we got the reveal of Carl being the guardian, that that it might have had something to do with that race or anything, but I kind of had that feeling about it. Um, it, it was a that great way sense. that they did it, um, and she lived those events. Uh, and then it's just a question of did the guardian just reset everything back? There you somehow go. So that it didn't actually happen. There's so, we could talk about this this episode probably for hours. I think because there's well, so if, many things to talk about. If he doesn't. Um, there's no reason to see Stamets in Discovery Season 1 Mirror Universe because he's That's, dead. 
That's right. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, that's true. And plus, they know that Michael Burnham was dead, even though, so, so our prime Michael wouldn't be able to masquerade as her. That's true. So uh, the events clearly don't wind up happening in the end in the mirror universe we know. Now, whether the Guardian resets them or whether it's some kind of other fracture splinter of that mirror, mm-hmm. we don't know. We also don't know if the three months of data stays on the Fitbit. Maybe when... Carl says, yeah, that's all. That's taken care of. Maybe the three months of data goes away too. When he went, maybe it went. That could yeah. be. Absolutely. Maybe. I mean, let's, Giorgio had future tech on her, on her body going through the Guardian. That's true. Because so, she kept checking it. Yeah. This could be really interesting. It could be interesting. You know what else was interesting on just one little side note? We got to see Dr. Culber in the Mirror Universe, and that yeah. outfit is awesome. That is, is fire. It's fire. <laughs> it is really good. But, what a great uh, conversation, guys. As always, fun, fun stuff. Folks, we want to take a moment to thank Fansets for being the presenting sponsor of Discovering Trek and the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. And we want to wish them, every single person here on the network wants to wish them the happiest of holidays. Fansets and Discovering Trek, as well as the entire Trek Geeks podcast network, have shared a very special relationship for over three years. They are our business partners, but like way more than that, they're our friends. We truly appreciate all the things they do to promote us, and it is our great honor to promote them on all of our shows every single week. It is easy to promote a company who loves making their products just as much as we love adding them to our collections. You know, and they're always hard at work to get the latest and greatest pins out to fans. And and this month, they really have outdone themselves by releasing a whole bunch, which are available right now at fansets.com. To start with, there's the USS Cerritos ship pin from Star Trek Lower Decks. There's the Cerritos bar logo pin, which is, yeah. is fast become one of my favorites. There's Seven of Nine in her brown uniform. There's a bearded Commander Riker from Star Trek The Next Generation. There's two different badgy pins from Star Trek Lower Decks, one happy and one, well, decidedly not so happy. The Lower Decks Delta badge collection featuring the full-size Delta, the magnetic-backed full-size Delta, and the mini Delta pin is also available now, in addition to the Voyager 25th Anniversary Collector Set, which I have to say is absolutely gorgeous and has arrived at my home here within the last 24 hours along with the Picard Season 1 pin, which I'm very excited about, because that means the Picard Season 1 episode pin may not be far behind. You should keep an eye out for the rest of the Season 1 episode pins in the coming weeks. All awesome pins, Bill, but when aren't they awesome? Um, On top of... Uh, on top of all those pins, you should just head on over to Fansets' social media pages to take a look at the next release in the Women of Trek collection. It is the one and only Nurse Christine Chapel from the original series, and I got to say, this one might be my most favorite pin so far for that collection. Right it is stunning. Also, head over to Fansets.com for some great accessories, too, like the new Fansets keychain, so you can display your favorite pin wherever you go, and the official Fansets face mask to keep you and your friends and family safe while you show off your Fansets swag. So whether it's pins or accessories or gift cards, we want you to save money over at Fansets.com just for being a Discovering Trek listener. So when you have put all of that great stuff into your cart, enter the special code word Discovering Trek at checkout. You do that, and you're going to get an amazing 15% off your entire order. And don't forget that if in the United States and spend more than $30, you're also going to get free shipping. Now, last week, we asked you who you thought Carl was for a chance to win one of two classic Discovery Deltas from Fansets. 
Well, congratulations to our two winners this week on Twitter. First, there's at BJP211, who thought that Carl could be a Q, trying to help like he did with Picard and Tapestry. Absolutely a valid guess at that point. Interesting. Yeah, that's that could have been really cool. And then there's also at Karen Chu, who thought Carl could be Father Time, which is also very interesting. Huh. She observed that Worf's Batleth tournament in the episode Parallels was on the, the newspaper too. What if the paper was all about time incursions, not just about the past, like The Guardian? I think that's pretty fascinating. That's deep. Yeah. Congrats to both of them this week. We'll be reaching out to get your shipping info for our friends at Fansets to send those deltas out to you. In the meantime, if you've been on Facebook wondering when it was your turn, well, wait no longer. Go to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash discovering Trek and share this week's episode to your, your Facebook wall for a chance to win a classic discovery Delta from fansets. We'll be giving out two more deltas next week and you do have to be in the United States to qualify to win. Winners will be selected in a random drawing and notified on next week's episode of discovering Trek. Fansets, our pins have character And of course, we thank our friends at Fansets for being the presenting sponsor of Discovering Trek and the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Of all the souls I have encountered in my travels, his was the most human. Star Trek has always been a reflection of our times. And in this segment, we take a look at what this episode helps us discover about humanity, or perhaps even what it tells us about ourselves. And there's not really a whole lot for me to say this week, but I'll probably stretch it out anyway. Um, I think Discovery has shown us something that is really important in today's day and age. Now, for weeks, I've been complaining that Giorgio was just being awful to everyone around her, just because it was her way. But as we talked about last week and saw in this week's episode, it was just her defense mechanism. She hasn't been the awful, murderous, vindictive mirror universe emperor for quite a while. And why is that? I think it's because humans bring out the best in those they care about the most. This crew was there for Philippa ever since she arrived. She may have been a complete pain in the ass, but she changed because she was surrounded by those that cared about her and they really wanted to help her. We saw how she changed when she returned to the Mirror Universe and wanted to bring about a new way of ruling. She was open to caring for someone like her universe's Saru and planted a seed regarding the Vaharai so that his species could survive. And we saw it in her goodbye to Michael just how much she had changed, and it was really a beautiful moment between the two of them, and for Star Trek fans around the globe. It's nice to see. Too often these days, we see stories of people filled with hate, spewing lies and conspiracy theories and attempting to instill fear and doubt in people. They are the minority among us. They are the mirror universe. We, the people that care and show compassion and caring, will always win out because being good is part of human nature. And it was beautiful beautiful to see in Philippa as she said goodbye to her new family. Casey? You know, this week I was thinking about this episode and uh, thinking of moods and thoughts of wonder and learning came into my head. Uh, The vastness of what we don't know and the thrill of finding out. And there was this very good article that I found on, pardon me, let me get this right here, inverse.com by Ryan Britt. And it was talking about this episode, and there was a quote in here by Kalinda Vasquez, 
who wrote the teleplay, and they were talking about the Guardian of Forever and influences, and they start talking about Carl Sagan. And the quote here is, when we discussed the personification of the Guardian of Forever, we wanted to create a being who seemed both omniscient, but also perpetually curious about all things in the universe. Carl Sagan was brought up by our showrunners Michelle Paradise and Alex Kurtzman as a potential analog because of his tendency to philosophize about all the unknown the galaxy holds. Sagan was definitely an inspiration for Carl. And I just keep th- kept thinking about there's so much that we have to learn and experience in our lives and to be open to do that and ready for that. Bill? You know, each of us has an opportunity to change our path. There are times when it seems like we may not, like we're sort of fated to the outcome we favor the least. But we all have an opportunity to make change. And that's because the future is completely unwritten. Maybe you're looking to make a career change. Maybe you're trying to lose weight. Maybe you're looking to start over in a new place. Maybe you're wanting to tell someone you love them and have been afraid to. We all have our own guardians of forever and they exist in our own minds. You can summon the courage. All you have to do is make the decision to step through. You won't be able to change your past, but that's behind you. It's in your rear view. You're moving forward and all you need to do to affect change is step through. Commendations. Palm leaf of Axanar Peace Mission, Grand Kite Order of Tactics, Class of Excellence, Frenteris Ribbon of Commendation. All right, guys, a time for some awards that don't really exist, but they're fun anyway. It's Starfleet Commendations. Let's see who you pick this week to receive uh, your special call-outs. I'm going to start right now by saying uh, i got to give commendations to Bowie Kim and Eric Lippold. <laughs> they are unbelievable. There have been three times since Discovery has been uh, on television that I have literally screamed, jumped out of my chair, and just been so excited I couldn't even contain myself. The first time was when the Enterprise showed up at the end of Discovery Season 1. The second time was when we saw Pike's accident that caused him to be put in the chair during Season 2 last year. And the third was the Guardian of Forever reveal in this week's episode. Number two, Pike's accident, and number three, the Guardian's uh, reveal were written by Bowie and Erica. They are fantastic ambassadors to this franchise. I love both of them. I love what they're doing. And my other commendation for this week, it's a double commendation. It's for Michelle Yeoh and for Sonequa Martin-Green for what they did, not only in this episode, but for the entire time that both of them were sharing the screen on Star Trek Discovery. This final goodbye for the two of them was perfect for what they have gone through since they started working together and and philippa came into our prime universe they were fantastic and and those scenes especially the goodbye maybe ones i never forget bill absolutely my commendations this week go out to well first uh, the top of the call sheet gets the top of my commendation sonequa martin green completely just slayed this episode it was it was a tour de force you know, um, it was it was emotional on so many levels, both in the mirror universe where there was lots of rage and in the prime universe where there was a lot of sadness and goodbyes. Uh, it was perfect on both sides and my hat's off to her. And of course, lastly, my queen, Michelle Yeoh, um, if this is the last we see of Philippa Giorgio ever, this is a great way to go out. 
And uh, I really hope a Section 31 series happens with this character because I want more Michelle Yeoh in Star Trek. But if this is all I get, I'm pretty happy with this. Nice. Casey? I got to tell you, uh, you, you guys have hit things already that I could totally concur with, so I'm not going to repeat those. But uh, Mary Wiseman, um, the vocal acting that she did in this two-parter, I found very superb. There were just inflections that she was doing that just they were just delicious and amazing and then she would just serve them up with a little side of side eye and you knew there was just much more going on with her character than was being let out second accommodation is to the entire production crew of this two-parter yeah to to do everything that they did shoot on location the costumes the lighting Directing the writing, everything for everyone behind the camera to pull this off successfully as much as it is. I can't thank them enough because there's just too much going on. All those moving pieces that have to click in there, and they all did. So, bravo. Long range scan of planet complete. Well, it is time to take a long, hard look into the Bajoran Orb of Prophecy and try to determine what the future holds for the crew of the Discovery. We're usually wrong. We're almost always wrong. But every now and then we get one right. So uh, what's next for Discovery, Bill? Well, I'm going to take a different tactic here this week, buddy. Um, I've had a few scans which have uh, been complete and utter failures. I think we can all agree to that. Oh, yeah. Uh, So this is a scan that's going to take a while to pay off. And I'm doing this on purpose. To give myself some breathing room, I'm not going to lie. I'm totally... You will forget. I'm totally... Yeah, you, I'm hoping you'll forget. <laughs> but um, time's going to tell if I'm right or not. It's easy to think that Philippa Giorgio is going to show up at the beginning of a new Section 31 series, if that happens. But I think we'll see her first in Star Trek Strange New Worlds as she steps out from her Guardian jump onto the bridge of the Starship Enterprise right in front of Christopher Pike. That's awesome. I think that's where she's going to come out. That's my guess. Casey, can you top that one? Woohoo. Well, no, <laughs> no, I can't. But but I'm dovetailing into this because I really think that Georgia, Giorgio, oh, please, 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 please make the Section 31 show. But I think she works Section 31 along with Ash Tyler, and that Section 31 goes in and cleans up and changes events in the Temporal Wars. Um, This allows Giorgio to visit different times, different eras, which also allow the show to use all the different sets that they already have, all those assets. And maybe even she visits Lower Decks. Maybe. (laughs) I'm I'm all up for that one, too. That's the same here. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, For me, Philippa told Michael that she was destined for something better that she was ready for the captain's chair. And that got me thinking about Bill's long-range scan last week that Michael would be captain of Discovery at some point. And I got to say, seeing Saru have a little bit of hesitation with the Kelpian transmission, as well as the hints of command for Michael, leads me to believe that Saru will not be captain of the Discovery by the end of this season, and that Michael will. Copycat. Well, maybe, but my reason might be different. And But this is dovetailing into something you've also said. The crew's going to learn that Vance is the ruler and leader of the Emerald Chain. Mm. He's going to be defeated, and Saru is going to take over 
as the CNC of Starfleet, leaving Michael to be promoted to captain. I just want to wow. tell you, buddy. Climb on my back because I'm strong and I'll carry you through the rest <laughs> you of, of the season. Anything to say about the Saru thing before? That's all me. All that other stuff you can carry. Yeah, I'm 90% of your long range scan. Congratulations <laughs> on that 10%. And 90% of being correct is 100% of not being wrong. Wow. <laughs> Good. That's well math right there. I don't even know what to do with you. I don't. I, we're just going to move along to the next segment. And um, thankfully, um, Thankfully, the next segment. Not thankfully, Casey, you're not here next week. But Casey, you're not here next week. Thankfully, <laughs> we will have Sarah back, of course. And, Sarah. But in a couple, but you know what? In a few weeks, all four of us are going to be here to talk about yes. the finale, which is going to be pretty cool. But that's a little ways away. Uh, so, what do we have to look forward to next week, my friend? Oh my goodness! Next week, Discovery Ventures to the the Ruben Nebula, where Burnham, Saru, and Culber make a shocking realization about the origin of the burn as the rest of the crew faces an unexpected threat it's star trek discovery season three episode 11 sukal until then remember that you can subscribe to discovering trek by searching for us on apple podcasts spotify google podcasts or by heading to discoveringtrek.com it's hard to believe we're 20 weeks into 23 weeks of star trek Right. Three episodes left to go. And if you enjoy what we're doing here on Discovering Trek and the Trek Geeks Podcast Network, please consider supporting us on Patreon. As a subscriber, you can get access to unedited recordings of episodes, as well as exclusive content and great subscriber rewards, like our annual supporters pins from our friends at Fansets and our exclusive Trek Geeks Network t-shirt, among other things. We do want to take a moment to recognize the following amazing producers of Discovering Trek, and we are so truly thankful for their support. Mike Bovia, Chaz Bradshaw, Ken Bird, Kyle Castillo, Peter Craig, Craig Ewing, Al Godwin, Jackie and Chris Hackney, Kimberly Hartman, David Hood, Tony Lambast, Leonel Marchand, Matt McGonagall, Jim McMahon, Charlie Mulvey, Sean O'Halloran, Jamie Rogers, Chris Teruzio, Ken Tripp, Christina Werther, and the lovely and talented Jess Fashon. Hey, everybody. If you would like to become a producer of Discovering Trek or even get access to the raw audio for Discovering Trek episodes, head on over to patreon.com slash trekgeeks for all the details. Gents, it's always a blast to talk uh, Discovery with you guys. Uh, Casey, where can people um, uh, send you messages online, whether it be Twitter or Facebook or whatever, to tell you how awesome you were this week and how terrible I was? <laughs> oh, my goodness, you were not terrible. Oh, <laughs> You're, you're, you're okay. Uh, <laughs> Twitter, Casey Shafsky. On Facebook, Casey Shafsky. So, not that hard to find me. Unless you don't want to be found. Bill, where can they find you, buddy? I was going to say, the question is, do you want to find Casey? In which case, we may have other questions for you. Uh, on Twitter, <gasps> I can be found at Bill, And of course, on, on the Book of Faces, all you have to do is join our official Facebook group, Camp Kittimer the most positive Facebook group on the Book of Faces, and uh, you'll see me lurking out there pretty much every day. Every single day, I will be there on Camp Kittimer as well. You can also find me on Twitter, at TrekGeekDan. Look, always look forward to comments and, and uh, thoughts on, on the episode. Uh, and that's going to do it for this week in our discussion on Episode 10, Terra Firma, Part 2. Uh, this episode for me uh, was a, one of the most exciting callbacks in the history of the show, and I think, as we said before... Best Mirror Universe episode since Mirror Mirror, and the best Discovery episode of the entire season. As always, we thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedules to listen to us talk about this amazing new chapter in the Star Trek universe each and every week. 
We wouldn't be here without your support, and we thank you so very much. We'll be back next week to discuss Sukal, and we hope you'll join us. Until then, here are some words of wisdom from Michael Burnham. Words define who we are. Officer, orphan, widower, shipmate. But there's no word for the unique agony of uncertainty. And until next week, never stop discovering. Music for Discovering Trek is provided by Five Year Mission. They're writing an original song for each episode of Star Trek. Hear more of their music at fiveyearmission.net. Discovering Trek is a production of Coconut Media Works, executive producers Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. For more great Star Trek discussion, discover the other shows of the Trek Geeks podcast network at trekgeeks.com or find us in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app.